Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The JT and Looney Podcast, episode 146. Thank you so much for pushing the button and listening to the podcast, the award-winning podcast, one of the fastest-growing podcasts in America, according to the Wall Street Journal. And we're powered by Bet Online. Football is back. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs. Check out the futures. Who's going to win MVP and get great odds on that? I picked Lamar Jackson before the year started. What about Geno Smith? I don't know what the odds are on Geno Smith, but I bet you it's like 2,000 to 1. And he's currently one of your best quarterbacks in the NFL. Not an opinion, a fact based on the trusty NFL quarterback ratings. You'll find the latest odds, matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Um, um, not only football, Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, <laughs> even golf. <laughs> oh, I'll put a hundred on Scotty Scheffler for uh, the Shriners. Hey, it's uh, it's Tiger. Bet online, where the game starts, and now the podcast starts. Damn it! Sorry, I was a few minutes late. I was just talking to one of my sons up in college about how pure and clean and wholesome Aaron Judge is as a one <laughs> kid. I was talking. He's as he's as pure as the virgin snow. He's just he's like a Paul Bunyan. He's a mythical. Just great human being. I mean, he dots all the I's. He crosses all the T's. Finally, I have a home run king again in a Yankee uniform. This might be my happiest podcast in months. Well, could you remind, uh, and you know, usually I'm the glasses half full guy. You're more skeptical. (laughs) You're more more sky is falling than I am. However, might I remind you why you said, Alex Rodriguez would never take performance-enhancing drugs. Well, I said to clarify it, he had the most to lose. Right. Okay, he had the most to lose because he did. Because A-Rod, when he was 17 or 18 years old, the eyeball test, everybody had him in the major leagues quickly. Right. Ken Griffey Jr., Bryce Harper on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16. You know, most of these baseball players, if they have to get off the island, the Dominicana, or come from Venezuela or somewhere, it takes a while. And, you know, they got to get to the right. minor leagues. They got to get. And then the journey. I mean, Eric Judge is a great example. I mean, this guy's 30 already. He's really, really getting his first ever contract coming up here. But for A Rod, that was never going to be a problem. He was an automatic, automatic, pure, great player. By the time he turned 20 years old, and the and only I remember thing... him hitting hitting home runs, when yeah. you and I were doing Fox Sports Radio together, and you said, "See, A Rod's not on steroids. Look at him." And yeah. I remember it... Raj Groves in your ear, and I in your other ear, saying, oh, "Slow down, cowboy." <laughs> yeah. And my theory was he had too much to lose, and yeah. what I meant by that is, once you get caught with steroids, you're finished. You really are finished, and you don't have to get caught with steroids. That's also another fascinating topic. If you're not connected with a Dr. Galela, if you're not connected to a dirty clubhouse like Eric Gagne's clubhouse with the Dodgers or, you know, some type of clubhouse where there's FedEx boxes coming in and people coming in that aren't associated with the team and they're doing deals, if you can stay away from that, and take your steroids and shoot yourself up on the road in hotel rooms and no one sees it like your mistress, your girlfriend or your wife, 
you can kind of hide it as long as you didn't fail a test. And for a long time, they didn't test anyone. Right, so you had right. to be pretty stupid to get or pretty reckless is the word to be caught up in steroids. Remember, David Ortiz just got into the Hall of Fame. The Mitchell report, this mystery Mitchell report had him mentioned in it. Mm -hmm. But Big Poppy always smiled. He was nice to the press. He was nice to kids. And no one ever dug into it the way they dug into Sosa, McGuire, and Bonds. And interestingly, Sosa was always very media-friendly, great to the public, great to the kids. People have been rather unfair with him. There's nobody. You know, just he, he deserves to get in the Hall of Fame as much as anybody else. But the court bet probably hurts him as much as steroids, right? Good point. Yeah, it really, it really does because that we can see. And that we can touch the cork bets. And let's all also go back into the hot tub time machine. Somebody else you demanded. Not only did you defend this guy, you also waved the American flag as you defended Lance Armstrong back in the day. Well, he couldn't have been on performance enhancing drugs. He was skinny. And he was also fighting testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. You know, so he was a guy that went all the way to his death. And yeah. there was one point he was in a hospital room, just literally on death's door. And that's one of the reasons why I believe if you do put something into your body when you're sick and ill and dying oh, to try to save your life. Pass. In a lot of ways he did. I think what really hurts him is the way he treated other people who accused him of doing what he was doing. And the way he he really besmirched the people who told the truth. And so we, all, we, we just have to be careful now because as we also found out, all of us amateurs found out over the years, is there was an evolution of performance-enhancing drugs, detectability, et cetera. So there's a lot we don't know. So I think, uh, you know, I know you got it, the show is today, and you have to go on uh, the air today with the presumption that A-Rod is clean, but, you know, people don't like to be fooled. People don't, uh, you know how long it takes for people to admit that they've been fooled? And people don't like to admit it, even to magicians. People try to tell magicians that shit really happened. But when they are fooled, and they're, they're convinced of it, they get really upset. Let's hope we never get upset about Aaron Judge. I really love the steroid topic for a couple of reasons. Number one, we were on the radio the entire yeah. steroid career. Yeah. Uh, our careers were on the entire steroid era. Okay, so I've been doing this 26 years on the air. That was before, during the steroid era. And look, guys took steroids before that, too. But I'm mm -hmm. talking when they really took it. I'm talking the home run chase of 98 with McGuire and Sosa. Bonds in 2001, when I actually lived in San Francisco. I read the book Game of Shadows twice. I always make that, tell you that, because my <laughs> library is full of books I've never looked at or read. <laughs> Game of Shadows twice. We've interviewed Mark Fanner-Awada. Mm -hmm. We interviewed T.J. Quinn. I've interviewed countless people on this topic, and there's, an, there's a new batch of sports talk radio hosts, men and females, who are in their 20s, and they didn't see any of this, oh, and they right. never talked about this. Oh and what's God. happening now is they're talking about this and clogging up the airwaves because they don't know what they're talking about because they didn't live it. We did. And what it goes back to me is with greed. It's always about motivation. Why does someone cheat on their spouse? Why does someone cheat on their taxes? Why does someone cheat the SEC in the stock market? What is the motive? And the motive for me with performance enhancing drugs were always sim simple. It was either to win at the highest level or get out of the lowest level, right? So you're, you can't get out of Venezuela. You can't get out of the Dominicana. So you have to take it to get off the island and make it. Then there's the guy who's on the bus and he's going through Greensville or he's going through a tiny Macon, Georgia. And he's sitting in the back of the bus for three years in the minor leagues. 
And someone says, you're never going to the major leagues unless you try this. And two years later, he's up playing second base in St. Louis or Seattle, and he's making millions. I get that. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in Elmira, New York. We had uh, the Elmira Pioneers, who were a farm team for the Baltimore Orioles. And believe me, if you could take steroids to get out of Elmira, you would. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that any of the guys back then did. Some great guys, Earl Weaver and Jim Palmer. And and uh, who's your guy there, the the old coach that uh, that got thrown on the ground during the melee with the uh, with the with the Red Sox and the and the Don Zimmer. Don Zimmer got married at home plate at in Elmira. In Elmira, yes. So we had a lot of legends come through, but it was the pre-steroid era. But if they could have taken them to get out of Elmira, they would have. The name of this podcast should be Life and Times of Elmira, New York. <laughs> at least we'd have everybody in Elmira downloading this. So let me get back to the oh, greed. And let's get back to, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Here's the issue I have with the greed. So what happened is we know this to be true because a couple of people were there to watch it. And Mark McGuire admitted to it. So I think McGuire, if we start with him, because he had multiple seasons over 60 home runs when he was cheating and he was lying about it. And I think initially he took performance enhancing drugs. He had 59 as a rookie with the A's. Couldn't get to that number again. And his body was breaking down. Big guys have big problems. Bill Walton with his feet. Yep. Mark McGuire was breaking down. So initially, I think he took it to get healthy and to be available more. But then he shattered the record and they put the Roger Maris family Oh, my God. They put the Roger Maris family behind the dugout. And they did it again. And they did it again. And then they were there for that. And Roger Maris Jr. and the family was there as McGuire went into the crowd. He broke the record, went into the crowd, hugged them all, and knowingly went to the press conference lying. He knew he took all this, and it took him years to come. He also went in front of Congress at the Rayburn Building, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden he didn't want to speak on the record. So that right there told you he wasn't confident. He didn't want to talk about the past. He wanted to talk about the future. Yeah. Didn't want to talk about what they brought him up there for. <laughs> It'd be like Dr. Fauci saying, I don't want to talk about coronavirus. <laughs> he's sitting right there, right? So McGuire didn't do that. So he was done. He was done at that point. And Sosa was doing his thing. But the big thing is Bonds. And I've studied this topic. So when Bonds was watching the summer of 98 and all the success that McGuire was having in Sosa and the money they were making, and the media following and how much America loved them. Bonds was much better than both of them. Not better, much better. And he wasn't arguably cheating at that point. So he decided to go all in with a gentleman named Victor Conti with the clear and the cream and experimenting with that. His body transformed. I saw some pictures earlier today from the Pirates to the Giants, which were mind blowing. And Bonds then got, became greedy because not only was he winning MVPs, he was breaking single-season home run marks, and then he ended up breaking Henry Aarons. He had the most to gain when it came to financial upside right. and fame. And everybody knew, because I was in the ballpark then, and every Giant fan, Tom, they couldn't stand up quick enough, clap. They had a beer in their hand, their Gilroy garlic fries, and the ball would sail into McCovey Cove, and they would hug each other, fathers and daughters. Everyone knew he was cheating, but they wanted to be a part of the fame and the hysteria of SportsCenter, so they all seem to forget that now. It was incredible to be in San Francisco when Bonds was on it was his amazing. tear, and he was wearing that armor for every time he got hit by a ball. And every time when we were staying... And a, and a guest house in in San Francisco, and there was this gay bar next door. And we've, even in the gay bar next door, we're walking by. Bonds is at the plate. Everything stopped. <laughs> Everything stopped so they could watch Barry Bonds at the plate. And then 
he would hit a home run, strike out, whatever, hit a base hit, and then everything would, you know, people go back to chattering. That that city was riveted by bonds. And you're right, it was one of those wink wink things where people, it's our existential need to feel. People were really getting high off of watch him, watching him do what he wanted and hitting balls into the bay. Uh, but in the back of their mind, they knew that there was funny stuff going on. Yeah, and they knew that, and they wanted to be a part of it. And yep. anybody who can't admit to that now, I believe, is in denial. And that's what this is all about. Part of this podcast is about the denial of performance-enhancing drugs. I was on the radio last night when Judge broke the record, so the whole show got hijacked by what's the real home run record. Bonds at 73 or Judge oh, at Oh, yeah, 62. people love to talk about this. It's though. a great topic. and. The people who want to say bonds, 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 a lot of individuals are just saying it because they believe that bonds was screwed over on the Hall of Fame, which is a great debatable topic. Mm-hmm. I think he's a Hall of Fame. He should be in there with an asterisk. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then the other part of this topic is people forget. I mean, people forget uh, both Bushes. They don't forget everything, the wars and mm-hmm. what was happening during a presidency. But they forget a lot of little things that happened. You know, Clinton, they think of Lewinsky. No, they, there's a lot of things that happened during a right. presidency. And people forget why Bonds did it, what he was doing, what his motivation was. And what put me over the top on the Bonds issue was when he hugged his godfather, Willie Mays, at home plate. Because he grew up the son of Bobby Bonds. He grew up in a ballpark. He right. grew up in a ballpark. His godfather was Willie Mays. And he had no problem knowing that he was cheating so obviously. But he made sure Willie Mays was waiting at home plate when he passed him. And then when Henry Aaron, he passed Henry Aaron, Henry Aaron did some really quiet ceremonial video. He didn't come to San Francisco. Right. He didn't support that. That was his message message. But he took the high road and did that video. And then Bonds would take off his uniform after every home run. So when he got to 700, 702, 708, he'd take the jersey off and put it in a clear plastic bag. He'd take the socks off, put it in another plastic bag. So that was financial gain by cheating. And he would make money on this. So my final point is the penalty phase is you don't go into the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. And the penalty phase is people the rest of your life. A lot of them say you're not the home run king. It's Aaron Judge. Yeah. And a lot of that is personal. Mm -hmm. People will stick up for you if they like you, if you belong to their team, if you belong to their political party. And they will uh, they will stick up for you, but you, they've got to like like you. There's a, there was, we had in studio Jeff Perlman. Do you remember he wrote a book? I called do. Love me, hate me, Barry Bonds: The Making of an Antihero. And he gave us both. I don't even know if the book out was yet. I think he gave us a manuscript, but it was a fascinating conversation we had. I think we had him for about an hour. And when Bonds was in college, was it Arizona or Arizona State? He Bonds to, was at Arizona State. Arizona, okay, Arizona State. And the team had a have a had a vote, a private vote, anonymous vote. You could vote whether or not to keep him on the team. He was such a pain in the ass. And they voted. You got Barry Bonds on the team. You know, you, I, I imagine if you got a baseball team at Arizona State, there was Barry Bonds and everyone else. But still, they would rather lose than have Barry Bonds on the team. They voted him off the team, but it was a secret ballot. And the coach counted the votes and said, I've counted the votes and we voted to keep him on <laughs> because he the coach was really the only one who knew the vote. Coach wasn't the you know, coach's job is on the line too. a coach isn't going to kick Barry Bonds off the team. That's the coach's future as well. But that's, how, you know, by being the son of a player, he didn't aspire to fame and fortune. He was aspiring to do what his dad did, like Joe Buck. 
and so many other people who are listening to this podcast who became a fireman because their dad was a fireman. He became a baseball player, and that's what he wanted to do because that's what his dad did. So he, he, didn't, he didn't have any affection for the media, and he treated them like crap. Obviously, we find out he treated his teammates at Arizona State like crap. And so sometimes that's what happens back at you when it's time to have a Hall of Fame vote. Yeah, I got just a couple of really quick Bond stories. One was when he was on the home run chase. I was in the locker room, and I didn't go to the locker room a lot. I lived Mm. across the street from then Pac Bell Park as they were building it. I was doing the crazy eight-hour shift. It was the craziest shift in sports radio. And in between, if I wasn't taking a nap, I'd tell my wife, I'm going to go over and watch batting practice, and I'll be right back. I could walk right across the street, one stop sign, and be through into the stadium. And I watch him crush the ball. And then one of the games after the game, it was a weekend, I wasn't working. I went into the locker room with my credential and Bonds came out of the shower with the towel on. And there was about, I'd say, 18 to 22, 23 reporters there. And he went right to his locker room and you could hear a pin drop. You couldn't hear the other players at the locker. And Bonds turned around to all of us and said, what are you doing here? What do you want? And I was like, whoa. And it felt like Tyson when on bite night when he was staring at all right. of us in the first five rows. It was really intimidating to see wow. Bonds do that. And everybody was just covering the story. But you could say roid rage. That would just be an opinion. You could say he was going through something difficult after the game. I don't remember what he did in the game, but he wasn't very nice to people. And then I did a, a charity event. I like this story. And then I did a charity event and Bond showed up at the charity event. And he came into the VIP room and shook everyone's hand, including kids signed. It was the nicest guy you could ever meet. And people liked him there. And that was just a couple of instances where I saw the anger side of Bonds. And on another side at a private event in a sports bar, more of a nightclub in downtown San Francisco, he couldn't have been more of a gentleman. I know his agent really well, who lives in Vegas. And I'm trying to come to, to, to get some closure on this Bonds story. And you can't mm-hmm. when Judge hits 62. And I just think the only way this could happen is two ways for bonds. He comes clean completely and says, yeah, at that time I was jealous of McGuire and he's not going to, or he says, yeah, I dabbled in it or whatever. Or he just starts to tell people that he wants to come back into baseball. He doesn't care about the hall of fame. He'd like to come back again and be involved. He's involved a little bit with the giants organization, but he's a pariah. You never hear from him. You never see him. You don't see him anymore in Vegas. You don't see him anymore on television. He should have been calling into MLB Network Television last night on the phone, congratulating Aaron Judge to Harold Reynolds and all the people that were there. Why wouldn't he do it? Because there's a problem he knows he's stained. He not only knows he's stained, but there's a problem, I think, with his personality. Everyone's made up of likeness and dark. Everybody is, and so Bonds obviously has a p- issue uh, playing well with others, whether it was the media or our teammates, uh, whether at Arizona State or uh, or the Pirates or the Giants. And, and you ca- you have to feel some empathy for somebody. You know, you were a frat president. You and I both still, you know, you and I both have friends since kindergarten. So we can't relate to that part of his personality. We want to collect friends, not discard them or piss them off or write them off or cancel them or block them. We we can't relate to what he goes through. And I, I have great empathy because that's got to be a miserable existence. And when it comes to Aaron Judge, we're assuming he's clean. 
We're assuming he's clean. You're assuming he's clean. I want to well, be careful. Uh, yeah, but here's why. <laughs> because now the steroid era has kind of come to a close because of all the transgressions of the players who got caught and their careers and lives are over. Mm -hmm. So I really think that's the deterrent now. The deterrent now, and I'm sure one of my favorite steroid characters, the milkman cometh. Milky Cabrera! Oh, Milky yeah. had everything to gain, right? Milky needed to do it. He did it. He got like 53 million here, 30 million there, and you're going, wow, Milky Cabrera could have just been a you know, basic player in and out of baseball. He played a long time, and he cheated. He made all that money. Oh, dirty secret. Didn't have to give it back. Doesn't right. have to get back the money. Was able to keep right. that. I'm sure he has some left in retirement because of that. But I think I have the answer after talking about this for a quarter century. The only thing that could fix all of this now and take it out of the past to present day is the asterisks. And when you have welders and you put plaques and you make statues, all those guys know how to make an asterisk. Yeah, they can do it. They can weld it. And all you got to do in Cooperstown is put the asterisks on Pete Rose's plaque where it says Pete has 4256. And Pete Rose bet on baseball. He was banned from baseball. Now he's in the hall. There's the asterisk. And it's a big one, too, Tom. It's in the corner of the plaque. You can't miss it. And the same with Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa. And A-Rod, you have to come to grips that we can live with the asterisks instead of these Bonds lovers who have no way to defend them but are still defending them because they're caught in a maze and they don't know how to get out of it. And what is unfortunate for him, again, is he doesn't have that many defenders because he didn't build up the goodwill. Mark McGuire, well, what, well Sammy Sosa built up some goodwill. Mark McGuire built up goodwill over the years. And a lot of players did. Barry Bonds was never interested in that. He wasn't in it for that. And he doesn't seem to be in, in, in life for that, at least in you know, from our a cursory look at his personality. We don't know him personally. But um, I do think that, well, oh, I. why do you think that the Hall of Fame and baseball is so, is move, they're stuck in mud. Why are they stuck in mud? On Great question. Why can't they figure it out and move forward and get themselves some positive publicity? Because it's America's pastime. The records there mean more. I couldn't ask anyone on this podcast without Google to tell me what did Emmett Smith end his career with the all-time rushing yard. Yes, and I keep meaning know. to memorize that. Same thing with Drew Brees. He has the all-time yardage record. What's right. that number? No one has an idea. They'll say somewhere in the 70,000s. Who has the most catches in tight end history? We don't know. But we know 40. Jay Reversma. <laughs> we know 4256 for Pete Rose. We know 73. You love that. We, we know 73 for Bonds. And we know certain unbelievable seasons in baseball history because it matters. Baseball was played during the horse and buggy, the steam engine, the industrial yeah. revolution post. That's why Wrigley Field's in the middle of the city and doesn't have a parking lot because there were no cars when it was built. Right. World War One and Two, Vietnam. Everybody is tied to baseball and baseball's scared of their own reflection. Now they're doing everything to try to get kids, right. They're trying to get kids involved. And I think the only way to get kids involved in baseball is eventually you got to tell them about the scars and the warts and they have to understand it. Imagine this. My kids are a little bit older. They're 21 and 19. So if I sit down with them and talk to them about bonds over judge and their Yankee fans and their judge fans, they could have this conversation, but imagine being eight years old, nine years old last night. Judge hit 62, and then people start debating it, and mom and dad sit down. And one of the two don't know what 
what the debate should be about talking about it and then the other parent is sitting there going well don't worry about that because we love barry we live in marin california we live in burlingame we love barry don't listen to anybody else so you got to give accurate information and to me it's always about what was the reason behind it what was it greed was it fame was it monetary gain and i just nailed it all for bond sosa mcguire it was greed it was fame and most important it was money it was the difference between 40 million more on a contract 40 million more 20 years ago 15 years ago is like a hundred million more now and you'd be surprised what athletes would do for that extra cash another fascinating conversation when it comes to this entire issue is who cheated the game more would it be barry bonds doing what he did or mickey mantle wasting all his time in a bar because everything that barry did was about Really, bringing eyeballs to the game, bringing fame to himself, but fame to the game. It was a sober adventure for Barry. He wasn't in bars no, at not 4 at o'clock in the morning, like uh, smoking cigarettes and drinking beer. They didn't know what cigarettes did to you back then, but they knew what drinking did to you back then. Staying out till 3, 4, 5 in the morning and taking amphetamines uh, in order to wake up and play games. Joe DiMaggio, too. But uh, Joe DiMaggio twisting his ankle, coming out of a house of prostitution. But they, but the, back then, the sports writers per diem was paid by the newspapers they worked for, so they couldn't write anything bad about oh, the didn't. players. So they would say that he, you know, he, he sprained it, sliding into second base last night. He'll be out for a couple of games. Yeah, when Babe Ruth ran naked through a train car, <laughs> no one said that. It wasn't a headline the next day. But right, well, let's right. stay on that issue. Let's cover off on Mickey Mantle first. Uh, Mickey Mantle being in bars and being an alcoholic and being a heavy drinker at that time, you nailed it. Absolutely. Ted Williams was in Boston. Ted Williams wasn't doing that at that level. And Ted Williams was playing on a team that could not get him to the playoffs. And Mickey Mantle had the dream team, right? So he had right. Hall of Famers all around him. And there were nights that he went to bed at five, six in the morning and struck out three times and hit a double. And you said, man, if he was sober, and he wasn't drinking. Maybe yeah, he would have hit right. two home runs. Yeah, had, and, and, there wasn't even anything for a headache back then other than aspirin. So he wasn't feeling very good. The other topic, which is really important because you bodybuild and you talk to people about this, is this debate between the leaded coffee, the amphetamines, the greenies. Right. So when you take a stimulant, a stimulant for some could be cocaine. It could be Adderall. Back then, it could have been an amphetamine. Yeah, it would yeah. help you at that moment. It would wake you up for that moment and maybe get you through nine innings and keep you there, and then you'd crash hard. But it wouldn't help you get into the gym. It wouldn't help you build muscle mass. What Bonds did, which is so amazing, is Bonds can go two for four with two home runs in San Francisco, fly to Milwaukee overnight, get to Milwaukee and go to the gym. You go to the gym on this product and lift more and more. So when people call my show and they say, well, JT, it didn't help him with his hand-eye coordination. Okay, that, that's fair. But when they say it didn't help him hit the ball farther, are you nuts? Oh, it helped Bonds hit crazy. the ball 30 or 40 feet on average farther, which is adding on home runs. Right, which is, gave which the ability to train. Or if you hit it 5% yeah. further, yeah, 5% of 400 feet is 20 feet. That's the difference between warning track and... And stands. Yeah, and uh, people cr people really hit Judge hard because Judge, I don't know what the number is, but out of these 62 home runs, say 20-plus went to right field in Yankee Stadium in the porch and barely got over that porch. Mm -hmm. You know, in other ballparks, he might not have gotten it. But well, Judge so does it. Oh, please. And we, and we know another thing, too, 
about Judge, and you cannot debate this. No one can. The guy did it right. The pressure he was on this year. Opening day, our friend John Paul Morosi. He I has three names. He sounds like an assassin. Yes, but he's named after a pope. Yes. So JPP was on last night, too, and he said something great. He goes, this is the same Aaron Judge who on opening day was fielding very tough questions about not being under contract. Let me stop you there. So opening day, they're hammering him. How come you didn't agree to terms? You said you're not going to do a contract. You guys are done negotiating. Yankees gave him a low ball deal. He turned it down. He says, I'm going to prove myself. It's the greatest proven contract Mm. as of now in history. Pick another one. I'm sure there's a couple. So he's going to go to the bank with the Brinks truck and the Yankees are going to pay him. Oh, the other guy is doing the same thing. He's a guy named Lamar Jackson. You yes, like he is. So you have two great players in 2022 doing the same thing. So Judge had to deal with that pressure, had to deal with playing in New York with that media, and had to go after Roger Maris and Babe Ruth and pass them both. And then he had a slump at the end. For the last two weeks, he couldn't get a home run, and he had to go do it on the road instead of Yankee Stadium. So I think what he did, he'll pre- he won't get the triple crown, but he was really close. It's one of the greatest seasons of all time. If he had taken steroids, maybe he could have caught Bonds. Jerk. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's really Oh, he's on my Mount Rushmore of big clean guys. Okay. You know, all, you know who else is also on that? Okay, well, big well, Frank well, Thomas, who you've done oh, commercial okay. with. You did a commercial. Yes. No, he's the biggest guy. He played football at Ar- Auburn. He's got muscles on top of muscles. Yeah. When Frank, I see Frank a lot. You'll see him at a Raider game. You'll see him at a restaurant in Vegas all the time. What a gentleman. No one ever comes up to him and goes, oh, my God, that guy was probably doing steroids. No, because Frank went out of his way to remind everybody throughout his career that he would never do it. He didn't do it. Right. And he was never on a list and never accused of that. So he's on that list along with Aaron Judge. Uh, two, do we have any other big, big, big guys that we're saying aren't on steroids? Well, LeBron those James? skinny guys that we said weren't on steroids, Ken Griffey Jr. If you take a look at the top 10 home run hitters during the steroid area, there are two that people presume are clean. Ken Griffey Jr. because he's skinny like Lance Armstrong. And uh, Frank Thomas because he's a little more he's chubbier than Barry Bonds or the other muscle guys. But, you know, that's eight. Out, there's The other eight are all steroid guys. So you wonder, okay, I just always wondered about, uh, about and you can't question Ken Griffey Jr. or, or you know, people will cancel the podcast. I don't want to hear anybody congratulate themselves for gas prices coming down when they're now up to 650, 650 in Nevada. And I'm sure I could get a yeah. little bit cheaper if I drive somewhere else. My wife and I had a good debate on that. And she said, how much is our time worth? And I said, oh, really? What is it? Where is this going? She made a good point. I said, well, we should go drive to Costco and save a little bit of money. And she goes, well, do you want to wait in line for an hour? She said to me, I know what you make an hour on the radio. <laughs> and what I what you make for the podcast, you want to sit in that line? And I started to say, yeah, for the first time in my life, wow. my dad always cared about that. My dad, who I hope is listening, cared about value. My dad right. cared about it. He was, he was an accountant, middle class. We never had to worry about money. I'm sure my dad did because he worked his butt off. But my dad knows what the price of gas is in New Paltz, Long Island, Naples, Florida, anywhere. And he cares about that. For me, you know, I don't want to drive across town, wait in the line for 20 minutes, come back and lose an hour for some pennies or some cents. 
But I just the point is, I don't want to get political. Just stop you congratulating. Not political. Stop it's congratulating you. yourself when the when gas prices go down, when they shot up to six bucks. You're not having a press conference saying, oh, my God, it's six bucks. Don't have a press secretary or anybody say, well, prices are coming down like that's a good thing. No, it's the good and the bad. Well, first of all, it should be out of politics. They, they, it's nobody's fault, no matter who president the president is. Whose fault it is is the oil companies for ripping you off. Why is it six fifty in the most populous state in the union in California, you know, and two fifty in Louisiana, and why is it one fifty in Mexico? Why is that? It's because they know they can rip us. It's it's always a test to see how much we'll pay before I guess we stop driving. And why was it? Why did it get down under the twos during the pandemic? That means you can make an enormous profit in the twos. They can make an enormous profit in the ones, like they did when Clinton was president. So uh, it's just, it's. I just say, start blaming the company that should be blamed. The companies that should, be, and that's the oil companies who are ripping us off. On the hurricane topic. Godspeed to everybody. I got some oh, friends who man. live in Fort Myers. My parents live most of the time in Naples, Florida. They got hit pretty hard. Mm. My nephew's down there and he's okay. And he kind of oversaw my sister's place and my parents' place. But I talked to one of my buddies, two of them actually, Craig and Kevin, who are down there in Fort Myers and Naples and boats across the street, across, you know, entire developments, people's lives almost ruined. And, Tom, a dirty secret they never told us in New York as kids. I think there should be a congressional investigation or at least a documentary. They never told us that when the hurricanes happen in Florida, all that bad weather gets to Long Island and New York about four or five days later. Like they never told us that all the bad weather in Illinois and in the Midwest blows also into New York. So all I needed was a teacher when I was in fourth, fifth, sixth or seventh say to me, leave. Because the rest of your life, you're going to get remembrances of hurricanes coming up north. And every crap day that happens in the Midwest is going to come to you here two days later. If I knew that earlier in life, I would have looked at my parents and said, what are we doing here? Well, if you knew me earlier in life, I could have told you my town was wiped out by one. And our teachers couldn't tell us because our schools were underwater. And we couldn't go to school. And uh, that was Hurricane Agnes that came up. And then Hurricane Eleanor. Three years later, and we used to have a downtown in Elmira. Now there's no longer a downtown in Elmira. A lot of parks because all the buildings ended up being torn down and everyone just went up to the mall. And, yeah, so those tropical storms, they eventually become tropical storms when they get to the Carolinas. And if they, they go inland, people all over Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and Elmira, New York, who live along the Chemung River near where you bought your Burger King oh, famous Burger King on the way to Geneseo <laughs> where the girls would write notes in our Burger King boxes with their phone numbers. True story. As we were stopping off in Chemung with an hour to go, we'd go to the same Burger King and the girls behind the counters would write their phone numbers in our burger boxes. True story. Did I just make the hurricane about Elmira again? Oh, and the last topic is a big one. Oh, this is a big one. Huge. I don't want to do this on my radio show, but you know, we found out dirty secret. You can get in trouble on your radio show if you say something on your podcast. Oh, yeah. I sure can. I always want to be and very careful. Very careful. So let me throw out that disclaimer. Okay. 
before I have to call my attorney in two weeks. Uh, Giselle, and, <laughs> Giselle and Tom look like they're getting a divorce. Yeah, they both, page they, six. Both, they both have divorce attorneys, it looks like. Tom's been miserable. Giselle, for whatever reason, Tom's 45. It, it's starting to play out. I don't think that we should speculate a lot until it gets into TMZ. Explain to everybody here why it's important when TMZ covers the story. Well, but TMZ dots every I, crosses every yes. TMZ's all lawyers. They don't want to get sued. They're always and right. Harvey Levin's a lawyer in addition to being an award-winning Channel 2 reporter for, I think, 30 or 40 years in L.A. So when page six puts this out and I go, okay, all right, they got some good reporters. But when I see TMZ following it up, so let's assume they're going through the process potentially of getting divorced. This is probably my biggest sports talk pet peeve now. Divorced radio guy. Divorced radio guy who has to go visit his kids on the weekends. And a lot of people have to do that in real life. But when divorced sports talk radio guy who has a kid in a different state or has to go see his kid every other weekend starts preaching about Giselle and Tom and their marriage problem. That's happening now. I'm hearing it up and down the AM radio dial with a few FMs mixed in also on satellite radio. Get ready for the preaching of the masses of why this marriage didn't work out. And we have no idea why the marriage isn't working out. How many times have we had to preach about things in sports talk radio about guys out drinking late? Like I just did about Mickey Mantle. When, you know, I was coming home at four and five o'clock in the morning till I was about 35. <laughs> so sports talk radio forces us sometimes to give an opinion on something. When we turn off the mic, we have to look in the mirror and go, "Uh oh, hypocrite alert. One of the toughest things I've always said on the radio is it would be very difficult. Divorce is not good. It should be the last ditch effort. You should try to save your marriage. Number but one we, threat to family values in the world. Yeah, you've always said that. So when people get divorced. I would assume, and I've had many friends who are divorced, that the toughest thing is when your former partner hooks up with someone else. Mm-hmm. But then I have some friends who have been divorced and they can't wait for their ex to hook up with someone else so they don't have to write all the checks. Right. They're like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. she's miserable. She's a nightmare. Who would be dumb enough to be with her after we just got divorced? And there's always a guy who comes along that will marry the gal in the divorce or the guy in the divorce. There's always someone fresh who will come in for that misery. But the only way that Tom could win this in the court of PR is he's got to go right down back to Brazil and he's got to find himself a 21 to 24 year old Brazilian swimsuit model. Right. And then all of a sudden, boom, she's there on the field after the game (laughs) and he doesn't have to worry about anybody giving him shit because he he looks at Giselle because when Giselle shows up with her next boyfriend, it might be a model. And Tom right. went from being a regular-looking guy, kind of chubby, to a model-looking guy now. Right. She and Giselle's in the fashion world, and billionaires always love to marry supermodels. So she can end up marrying an Elon Musk-type guy pretty quickly here. But there's a big topic in sports radio, and we just touched on it, but it's going to be a firestorm in the coming weeks. And thank you for listening to all 39 minutes and 39 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast powered by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.